Hey everyone, welcome to the Cornerstone Church Podcast. Our prayer is that through this message, you will find the Father, a family, and a fulfilling future. Be sure to connect with us online at Cornerstone Church Social to keep up with all things Cornerstone. Thanks for tuning in. series under new management. Today, I want to talk to you about something that might sound like an oxymoron at first, but just follow me, all right? We're talking today about the good infection, the good infection. And I want to start us off by talking about COVID-19 because we haven't talked about that enough, right? Like we, <laughs> There's one topic that hasn't been talked about enough. It's the pandemic, right? Um, I want to talk about this because um, we, we are seeing some cases rise recently, right? If you've been following uh, news at all, you've seen that cases have been on the rise. But here, here's the thing that I want to point out, okay? So currently, Ohio, I think like our, 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 new, our, our new data as of yesterday is like 2,409 new cases, so it's, it's like going back up. But here's where the difference is. Early in the pandemic, early with all this stuff going on, you were seeing the cases go like this and the deaths from those cases go like this. You know what you're seeing now? You're seeing the cases go like this, but guess what the deaths are doing? They're staying down here. People aren't dying at the rate that they were before. That's good news, right? Like, that's good news. For example, Ohio has 2,409 new cases. That's the average. Guess what the average death is? And obviously, one death isn't good, like any death, but the average is eight. Eight. Like, a couple months ago, that was hundreds. Like, that's good. That's good news, because what that means is at this point, people are getting infected, but people aren't dying. That's good. Uh, in all honesty, I mean, we, we don't keep track of how many people get infected with a cold virus every year, right? What we care about is if people die from it. That's what really, like, we're like, okay, <laughs> then we need to, then we need to uh, maybe take some mitigation efforts and try to do something here. But the fact is, people aren't dying even remotely at the rate they were. They're getting infected, but they're not dying. Now, the good infection, the good infection that we're talking about today, um, this, is, this is the description. Where we get this title from, the good infection, is from C.S. Lewis. He's a Christian theologian and author. This is what he says uh, as he defines the good infection. Jesus came into this world and became a man in order to spread to every other man the kind of life that he has by what I call the good infection. Every Christian is to become a little Christ. The whole purpose of becoming a Christian is simply nothing else. That's it. The whole purpose of becoming a Christian is to become a little Christ by means of the good infection, the good infection. And so as I think about this idea of the good infection and I think about the infection that the world has been dealing with, I'm like, man, we have the opposite problem. So in COVID, people are getting infected, but they're not dying. I'm worried, and I worry about this for myself. I worry about this for us as a church. I worry about this as the general church. I worry that we'll get infected with the good infection, but that we won't live. You tracking with me? So in COVID, we're getting infected and we're not dying. I'm worried we're going to get infected and not truly live. We'll get infected, but not truly live the life, live the purpose that Jesus called us to live in our life. We just talked about it last week, that if we have casual contact with Jesus, we don't change 
right? That, that's, that's what we saw happen with uh, uh, people all throughout Jesus' ministry, people who would come into casual contact with Jesus because he was popular or because he was like a magician, right? They came into casual contact with Jesus, but that didn't actually result in change. And a lot of us see that happen in our own lives. We casually come to church. We casually pray once every, like, three weeks, right? Only whenever something bad is happening. Um, we come into casual contact with Jesus, and then we get frustrated whenever we don't see any change in our lives, but casual contact isn't what does it. We have to actually, with intention, approach Jesus, and that's when we see change happen in our lives. Otherwise, what ends up happening is we become infected, but we're asymptomatic, <laughs> right? We, we see that happen a lot with COVID-19 right now. People, people catch it, but you don't know that they caught it because they're asymptomatic. There's no fever, there's no chills, there's no loss of taste or smell, there, there's none of that stuff, there's, there's nothing. So they're infected, but you would never notice. And what I, we, guys, we cannot have this happen as Christians. We cannot become infected and no one knows about it. No one, no one has any idea that we've ever encountered Jesus because if they look at our life, they couldn't tell. They're like, wow, you're asymptomatic. <laughs> I don't see anything in your life that would say that you've been infected with a good infection. I don't see any, any sign that you're actually encountering the risen Jesus in your life. So I can't speak for you, but I know for me in my life, I want people to be able to tell I've encountered Jesus. I, I want people to know that I've been infected. I want people to see me sneezing. <laughs> like, I want to be coughing. I, I want to be gross for the glory of God, right? Like, I want people to be able to see in my life yeah, there's all the telltale signs that this dude is infected. This dude has encountered Jesus. He has the good infection in his life. If that's you, you want the same thing, I'm gonna pray for you as we start today's sermon, all right? Let's bow our heads and let's pray together. Father God, thank you for sending your son Jesus. Thank you for offering us this new life where we don't have to live the old way that we used to live, that we can, we can do something better. We can follow you in your ways for our life. God, please be with us today. Help us to see our need for you, for us to be able to see our life and see the need to be uh, uh, infected with the good infection so that we could become more like Jesus, that we could become little Christ in each one of our own situations, in each one of our own relationships, that we would look, act, and sound like Jesus because that is the whole point of being a Christian. So help us with that, Father, and we'll be sure to give you all the honor, all the glory, and all the praise. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. So um, me and my wife, Jessica, we actually have had COVID-19. We caught it um, at the end of last year, starting the beginning of this year. So, so much for the whole 2021 is going to be my year, right? Like we started the year off with COVID. Um, it, it wasn't crazy for us. Honestly, the biggest thing was the loss of taste and smell. That was, that was weird. Like that was real weird. That, we felt that. Um, but how we caught it, my mother-in-law, uh, she got it from work, and we were with her on Christmas. About two days after Christmas, she started showing signs, and so me and Jessica, we got tested, kind of expecting, like, well, maybe we'll have it, but I don't know, because we're not really showing anything yet. Um, but one night, just after the start of the new year, me and Jess are like, hey, let's, let's, like, let's watch one of our shows, and it was cold out. I mean, it's January, so we got a fire going and everything like that, turn off the lights, start watching our show. 
Um, and as we do, we're, we're watching it, and all of a sudden, the fire alarm starts going off in our house, or our, our smoke alarm, or whatever. It starts blaring like crazy. The kids come. For some reason, our kids think that a fire alarm, like, creates a fire. Like, they don't realize it alerts you to the fire. They're like, oh, my gosh, we're all going to die. They come running downstairs. They're freaking out. We're like, oh, calm down, calm down. Jessica's like, did I put something in the oven? So she goes over to check the oven, and as she does, I go over, and I flip on our light switch, and then we look around the room. Guys, I kid you not, our room was like billowing smoke. Not, not kind of hazy, not like, oh, yeah, it looks like there's... No, I'm talking like smoke. We're in the clouds right now. <laughs> it, was, it was that bad. You could see tons of smoke around all the lights and stuff. We're like, this is crazy. So we have to, we turn that off. We open up doors and everything, kind of let it air out a little bit. And at that moment, Jessica and I looked at each other and realized... Yeah, we don't need to wait on the test results. We, we have COVID. <laughs> because we were just sitting in a smoke-filled room. I mean, smoke-filled room. And we were just casually watching television. Like, oh, this is a good one. You, want, you up for one more after this one's over? Like, we had no idea. Normally, you smell that stuff. Normally, you're like, what is that? Something burning? We had no clue. But it was so abundantly obvious that we couldn't smell it, right? There, there, was, there was no, hmm, I wonder if we're infected with this thing. We knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that we had COVID. It was tangible. This big telltale sign was yes for us. Loss of taste and smell, absolutely. That was us. And what I want to let you know as we study today and as we look at scripture is the good infection the good infection that if anyone is a Christian, you should want to have in your life, this, this infection that you've encountered Jesus and it affects every aspect of your life, that infection has telltale signs as well. It has signs that show, okay, I actually am infected. Okay, Jesus is actually changing my life. So if you're a person, if you grew up in church like I did, and you've been saved a hundred times because every time you sin, you're like, God, I'm sorry, please, Jesus, forgive me. Don't, don't put me in hell. Please. That's what you say every time you ever do anything wrong. Um, if, you, if that's you and you're a how do I know Christian, you're like, how do I know that Jesus is actively working in my life? Today's sermon is for you. So we're closing the series under new management and we're seeing how we know beyond a shadow of a doubt, that we're actually under new management. So if you have a Bible and you want to follow along, we're going to be in Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. Now, what Galatians is, Galatians is a letter that uh, an early follower of Jesus, honestly one of the most influential followers of Jesus wrote, the uh, man named Paul, wrote this letter to a church in Galatia. And essentially the entire book, the entire book that Paul writes, uh, this whole letter, all of it focuses on what freedom in Christ looks like. Paul's letting them know, hey, look, you used to be a slave to the law, a slave to the list of do's and don'ts, but now because of Jesus, you have freedom. You have Christian liberty, and things should look a lot different for you. Your life should look a lot different. And by the time we get to chapter 5, Paul actually starts listing out what that difference looks like. Paul's like, hey, look, your life should look different, and this is how it should look different. So he lists this out, Galatians chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 13. This is what Paul writes. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh, that is your sinful nature. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. 
For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And then Paul gets ready. He's like, I'm going to list this out for you. If you feel like you're, well, what's the sinful desires and what are you, what are you talking about? Paul just decides, you know what, I'm just going to list this out for you. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, uh, witchcraft hatred, discord, jealousy. Sounds like a party, right? <laughs> Fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Paul is, Paul, what Paul is saying, he's not talking about a, a works based salvation that, oh, okay, that means I have to work for my salvation. I have to not do all these things and that's how I'm saved. What Paul's saying is, no, if you're known by these things, then you're not really finding your identity in Christ. That if you are seeking these things first, that's where your identity is found. And in that case, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then Paul decides, he's like, okay, now I'm going to give you the other side. So I've told you what not to do. I've told you what it looks like when Jesus has not changed your life. Let me lay out what it looks like when he does change your life. Verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And against such things, there is no law. You see, this set of verses that we just read, what it's basically going to be, that's going to be our spiritual well check for today. This is our, this is our spiritual web MD that we're going to be looking at. This list of what it's supposed to look like in our lives if the Spirit is at work. And so what I want to do in this remaining time we have together, as I studied this uh, 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 set of verses. God, I just felt like pointing different things out. And I just kind of want to share with you what I got during my study of this, and hopefully it affects you and impacts you uh, the same way that it did me this week. So we're going to start. Uh, I just want to point one thing out in verse 19 and in verse 22 of Galatians 5. So in verse 19, Paul starts to list out the acts of the flesh, plural, the acts. And then in verse 22, Paul talks about the fruit, singular, of the Spirit. You notice that. One is plural, all these different acts. One is singular, the fruit of the Spirit. That is on purpose. This isn't just semantics. Paul's not making this, this difference just for the heck of it. It is very purposeful. We don't, as Christians, as believers, we don't produce fruits. We produce fruit, Singular, we produce fruit. And that's because this, this is what I want to let you know. Selective symptoms are a sign of deception, not infection. If you are selectively just choosing the symptoms from this list, you're not infected. <laughs> you're deceiving yourself. I'm deceiving myself. This, this is what that looks like. Um, Let's see, what's Paul say? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Peace. Oh, uh, patience. Patience, that's a good one. I'll be patient. I'll selectively be patient to the people I like. <laughs> 
I'll be patient with the person I want to impress. Kindness, that's a good one. You know who I'll be kind to? My boss. Because my boss has power over me. And if I'm kind to him, maybe it's a little bit, I scratch his back, he scratches my back. Maybe I get that promotion I wanted. See, that's not how it works. Selective symptoms, selectively choosing these things and going, oh yeah, I've got the the good infection because I do that one. And I do that one. (laughs) That's deception. That's not infection. We are deceiving ourselves. That's why Paul is saying, no, no, no. We can't pick and choose. We can't be Ferris Bueller, right? Just trying to pick the symptoms that work best for us. Who's seen Ferris Bueller? Who knows what I'm talking? Thank you. Can I I just time out from the sermon real quick? Thank you. I'd said that in first service. There were so many young people. I got looks like, who's Ferris Bueller? I I about cast and rebuked everybody out of the auditorium. Get out of here in the name of God. Don't know who Ferris Bueller is. Unbelievable. (laughs) But Ferris Bueller, if you've seen the movie, you know he's trying to get a day off school. And in doing so, he selectively chooses symptoms that he knows We'll get his mom to call him off. Here's his quote, right? He, he breaks the fourth wall. He's talking to the camera. And he says this. The key to faking out the parents is the clammy hands. It's a good, nonspecific symptom. I'm a big believer in it. A lot of people will tell you that a good phony fever is a deadlock. But you get a nervous mother, you could wind up in a doctor's office. That's worse than school. So what you do is you fake a stomach cramp. And when you're bent over, moaning and wailing, you lick your palms. Granted, it's a little childish and stupid. But then again, so is high school, (laughs) right? And so what Ferris is doing, he's like, I'm selective. I know what symptoms will get me out of school. I know what symptoms will get me in a doctor's office. So I'm going to carefully pick and choose what symptoms will get me what results I want. That is not how it works with us, though. If you are a believer in Jesus, we don't get to selectively pick what symptoms we want to have at any given moment. Well, I want to be nice to you, so now I'm, now I'm infected with kindness. Well, I want, to, I want to get something good from you, so now God's love is abiding through my heart. That is not how it works. We can't pick and choose. We either produce fruit or we don't. As I am truly infected by the love of Christ All the fruit comes at once, singular, all of it. We do not pick and choose. And here is a big reason why we don't pick and choose out of that list. Like, well, I'm going to be joyful. I'm going to have peace. I'm going to have patience or kindness today. We can't pick that, and here's why. If the fruit, or if the Spirit is at work in us, the fruit that he produces is love. That is the fruit. I've heard other theologians put it, whenever Paul lists this out, essentially what Paul is saying is, no, the fruit of the Spirit is this one thing. It's love. And this is what love looks like. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So essentially what Paul is saying is there is one fruit of the Spirit, and it is love. And what love looks like in action are these things. That's why Jesus is able to say in in, uh, uh, multiple places throughout his ministry that all of the law is fulfilled in that one command to love others as he has loved us. That if we do that, everything else gets fulfilled through that one command of loving other people. So if you're someone who is asking yourself, am I really infected? Like, is God really at work in me? Is he really doing something in me? If you're asking that question, am I infected? It's the wrong question. You need to ask yourself, do I love? That's the question that will let you know, am I actually being transformed by the Spirit? Is, do I love people? And does my love look like joy, peace, 
patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. If it does, I'm infected. (laughs) And I'm not saying you get it all perfect all at once. Please hear me on that. That's what we talked about week two of this series. It doesn't come all at once, so don't feel like, well, man, I still blow up at people every now and then, and man, I'm struggling with that. The fact that you're struggling is a good sign. That means the Spirit's still talking to you. The Spirit is convicting you. That's a good thing if you struggle from time to time. The goal is to struggle less and less so that you're not 10 years down the road still doing the same stuff you were 10 years ago, right? But it's a good sign if you still struggle because that means the Spirit is still talking to you. So we ask ourselves, do I love? Do I actually love? Um, Here's the other thing that I felt um, God kind of pointed out to me as I was reading this uh, uh, set of verses is that our infection, if we are infected by the good infection, we're going to know by action, not information, right? Like if we are infected by the good infection, it will be the actions that we see in our lives, the actions that actually take place that will tell us that, not information, not how we feel or what we think at a given moment. That's not going to be what does it. Um, Paul says in verse 19 that the acts of the flesh are obvious and so are the fruit of the Spirit. These are obvious things that we can actually see take place. These are actual things. They're actual things. Um, Let me ask a question real quick. Whenever you go to a doctor to get checked out or to get checked on, do you think the doctor actually cares what you think is wrong with you? (laughs) Like for real, has anyone ever gone in and a doctor's like, that is so... Expound on that more. Please tell me, what, what do you think is wrong? I've never had it. Honestly, there's probably no group of people that hate the invention of the internet as much as doctors because every, all of us come in and we're like, ah, before you go, let me tell you what my WebMD surfing on the web has told me. Let me tell you what I think is wrong with me first, right? That's, that's what we all do. My, my brother-in-law, Aaron, he's been sick. The second things went wrong, I guarantee you if you were to look at a Google report for like his illness, you would have seen a gigantic surge for Google searches in the Akron, Ohio area because all of us were suddenly become doctors in this thing. We're like, oh yeah, let's look it up. Well, this is what my research has told me, right? Like all of us are looking into this thing and we're all feeling like we know, we know what's going on. But man, doctors, they don't really care what you know or what you think about your situation. They may ask you what your like family history is or things like that, but man, in general, they, they couldn't really care less what you think is wrong with you. They're just gonna check on you. They're gonna check your pulse. They're gonna check your, your temperature. They're gonna check your breathing. They're gonna check all of those things. Check your skin. Check. They're going to check things because they know if you have an infection, if something's wrong with you, that it is going to manifest itself in actual, real ways. You don't need to tell them what you think is wrong with you. They're going to be able to see what is wrong with you. They're gonna be able to actually tangibly see because it will manifest itself in material ways. And in the same way, if we have the good infection, it is going to manifest itself in real, tangible ways. What that means, that means this. Our faith is expressed not by our doctrine and what we believe, but by our demeanor and how we act and how we treat people. And I will let you know, I love doctrine, the the whole idea of of studying what Scripture says and who God says he is. I love that stuff. Me, Me and Pastor Donnie, man, we can spend hours talking about this stuff, about the minutia of, of Scripture and all these doctrinal points. 
It's fun. I love it. That stuff's super interesting to me. But the fact of the matter is my faith is not going to be best expressed through doctrine. It's going to be my demeanor, how I treat people, how I actually engage with people and talk to people. Why do you think Jesus time and time and time again says all throughout Scripture, you will know my followers by how they love? He explicitly tells his disciples in John 13, moments before he's going to be arrested, he lets them know, hey, I'm giving you one command, one One, this sums everything up. You are to love other people as I have loved you, and by this, not how well you stuck by that belief, not how well you you defended that position, no, by how you love, that is how the world will know that you're my disciple. That's it. There's no, yeah, but no, that's it. There's a period at the end of that sentence. You will know, you will be known by your love, how well you love people. I mean, think about it. Jesus' disciples, the early days, Jesus' OG followers, these dudes had no doctrine, none. Think about that. Whenever they were following Jesus, I mean, we, we see in the early church, they had to develop songs, like hymns, creeds, to be able to remember certain doctrinal beliefs. Because, I mean, they're not writing tons of stuff down in the early days because they're all still like in the middle of what's going on in this new Jesus movement that's just started. These guys didn't have doctrine. In fact, the book of Acts specifically goes out of its way to let us know these were ordinary men. These weren't schooled men. We, We see in the book of Acts, it says that whenever the disciples were brought before the Jewish ruling council, the Sanhedrin, it it makes a point of saying the Sanhedrin noticed that these were ordinary men. And that word ordinary actually best translates from the original Greek to our word for idiot. <laughs> what it means is unschooled. These were unschooled men. These were ordinary men. These dudes, they were not sophisticated. They weren't able to talk eloquently. They didn't have any training or background, but they were with Jesus. They were with Jesus, and because they were with Jesus, everything about their life had changed. They were infected. They were infected, and his disciples changed the world, and and this little group that should have fizzled out under the mighty hand of Rome, instead they spread all over the place, and it wasn't because they had great doctrine. It was because they loved so well. So as the Spirit moves in you, love should move out of you. As the Spirit affects you and affects who you are, love should be moving out of you. It's um, different points in Scripture we read about uh, God hardening someone. Like, have you ever ever heard of that phrase, God hardened Pharaoh's heart? If you ever watched the old Ten Commandments um, with Charlton Heston, it talks about God hardening Pharaoh's heart. And we think, wow, how, how cruel of God. Like, he hardened Pharaoh's heart. He made him hard and he made him calloused and he made Pharaoh do this. Doesn't, doesn't that mean God went against his free will? That's not what that word means. When it says that God hardened someone's heart, what it actually means is that God drew out what was already there. So he didn't make Pharaoh do anything. He just drew out the hatred and the pride that was already in Pharaoh's heart. It's like a sponge, right? He just squeezed it and what was in there already came out. That's what we should be as Christians. We should be so infected with the love of God that whenever we are squeezed, it's what comes pouring out of us. I mean, think about it. Whenever you're going through trials and tribulations, whenever the world puts the squeeze on you and the pressure under you, you should be better under pressure. You should be better under duress. 
You should be better under stress in your life because when you are squeezed out, have you ever seen those people in your life, people who the world just throws them the biggest curveball you could possibly imagine, things are not going their way, they, they lose finances, they lose their health, they lose their fa- something crazy happens, and instead of falling apart and wilting when world puts the vice grip on, they get better. And you wonder, how in the world does that happen? It's because they're infected. They're infected. And when the world put the squeeze on, what was in just came overflowing out. The love of God, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the goodness, the gentleness, the self-control, it just comes pouring out of them. That's how it is supposed to be for us. How, how, my gosh, how different our world would be if Christians would actually be that way. What if our world, whenever they saw us, Christians, the people at, at your work, whenever they saw you go under dis- duress and stress and pain, they saw nothing but the love of God come out of you. That is a bigger witness than anything you would ever say to them. If they could just see the peace and the joy in your life and the self-control and the trust in God, that would do more than any word you could ever say. And that's how it's supposed to be. <laughs> that's how it was for the disciples. That's how they changed the world and ignited a movement. That's how, why we're here today. That's why we're here today. This stuff is supposed to flow out of us in ways that honestly we can't even help it. My my grandpa, James Mason, such an incredible man, he had walked so closely with God his whole life that whenever he got towards the end of his life, had lost my uh, grandma, lost his oldest daughter, um, all these things happening. He had to be in a nursing home because his, his health had fall into a place where family couldn't care for him anymore and he couldn't care for himself, so he needed to be in a nursing home. In the middle of this, in the middle of life, putting that grip on him, rather than turning sour and rather than turning depressed and bitter and angry, like, why did this happen? And why, I really, like, before I go to heaven, my daughter goes to heaven? Like, how does, how does all this work out? Instead of that happening, he got better and sweeter and kinder and more selfless. All of that happened. It's because he's infected. <laughs> he was just, he was infected with the love of God and it was so evident and it was made so apparent to everybody because as soon as life put the squeeze on him, that's all that came out. And it was natural. Only because he had been walking with God for so long. That's the only way. And this is a little side point. If you wanna be able to handle those moments in life well, start following God now because that doesn't develop in a moment. You don't start following God day one and day two, you you lose a a close family member and you handle it so well and wow, this is just incredible. You need to build up that trust muscle. You need to build up that, that just complete faith in God and that only comes through walking with God, actually walking with him. But it's crazy, as you do that, as you walk with him, you will be shocked at what comes out of you. You'll be shocked. Because the things that you thought you never could have done on your own, and you couldn't, they will be produced in your life, and it's because you've been walking with the Spirit. And to be honest, you can't help it. (laughs) You can't help but be this person, because it's what God has produced in your life. And that's one thing we realize as we follow God, is everything we read about, about the love of God and the fruit of the Spirit and what it is, do you know you do nothing to produce that in your life? You're not that good. <laughs> Sorry, like you're not. I'm not either. So don't, don't feel offended. I'm not that good of a person either. I'm not. All those things, really? Like love, 
like, is there anyone in this room who's like, yep, on my own, this, this would define me. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, good. You want us to follow you around with a camera all day and be like, does this line up with what we see, right? There is none of us that we are the reason for this in our life. That's why it's called the fruit of the spirit, not the fruit of me. <laughs> it's, not, it's not the fruit of Mario. It's not the fruit of Jacob. It's not the fruit of April. It's the fruit of the spirit because I do jack squat to make it happen. I do nothing. So that means the fruit is produced not by my work, but by my walk. That is what produces the spirit. I, I, don't, I don't see anything happen because I'm such a good person. I don't. <laughs> I see it happen because I follow a good God and he does it on my behalf. That's how this entire thing works. Faith isn't produced through our work. It's produced through our walk. Scripture says it time and time again. Paul says, so I say to you, walk by the spirit and you will not satisfy the desires of the flesh. We walk by the spirit. Now, let me explain that a little bit because that's such a Christian-y thing to say. Like, oh, I'm walking in the spirit. Like, what in the world does that mean <laughs> to walk in the spirit, right? Um, walking in the spirit, essentially what that means is when you start, whenever you make that commitment to Jesus saying, hey, I'm gonna start following you. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm not just asking you to be a savior where I just go to you for forgiveness all the time. I actually want you to be my king. Like, I want you to rule my life and tell me what to do. So whenever you do that and you start following Jesus as king, He's a, he's a God of his word. He, he fulfills that for you. He's like, okay, you want me to be your king? I'll start to tell you what to do. And so you start feeling little nudges. That stuff you used to do that you never felt anything bad about before, you suddenly feel that thumb in your back. Like, dude, that's not how we talk. <laughs> Maybe in that kingdom, but not in mine. We don't talk that way in my kingdom. And so you feel it and you're like, ooh. And whenever you feel that, if you listen and you go, okay, all right, I'm, I'm gonna try, I'm gonna work on that. I'm gonna try to talk different. The spirit will help you. And that's what it means to walk in the spirit. As he guides you and as he puts his thumb on your back, you listen to him and he changes you. He changes you. And that's what it means to walk in the spirit. And that's how we see fruit produced in our life because we're under his management, Right? We're not under our management anymore. We're not under the enemy's management anymore. We're under the management of the Holy Spirit. And he guides us and he transforms us and he produces those things. He produces things I could never produce. It's, it's like um, my paycheck. So my paycheck, I can produce that. Like I can produce that. I put in a certain time of work and at the end of the work week, I get a paycheck that lines up with the work that I put in, right? That's how paychecks work, right? You, you get your pay for the work that you do. Um, but there's something that we do, me and my wife, we do every single month that hurts, man. It hurts. We take money out. We put it into a retirement account. It hurts because I don't like seeing all that money just going somewhere and just sitting. Like, I want to do something with that. I'm like, man, you know how much we could do with that? And it's not even a lot of money, but still, you're like, oh, man, if we just had that money, the things we could do with it, it would be so much better, and we could do this, and that monthly payment would just be gone. Wouldn't that be great? But still, just every month, we put that little bit in. Um, and it's so funny, every time that I do go in to check it, I, I look at, like, the amount invested, so what we've put in, and it's, like, down here. <laughs> Like I said, it's not a lot. It's not like, oh, yeah, we, you know, half of our income goes towards retirement. Nope. <laughs> it's not a lot. It's down here. But you know what's crazy? Is here's how much we put in. But whenever I look the column over where it says, like, how much is actually in your account, it's like up here. 
And so I see this dichotomy between the two, and I'm like, but I didn't do this. Like, I didn't do any of that. It's the magic of compound interest, which is way over, I'm not smart enough. If there's like a financial advisor in here, we can talk after service. You can explain it to me. I'm not smart enough to totally understand it, but there is a magic behind interest so that even though I've only put in this much, it's up here. The same is true of our relationship with God. The same is true in our life, of our walk. You can never put in enough to equal this. You just can't. You can try all you want to be a patient person. You're never gonna get there. You may be more patient for a day, for a couple of days, but on your own power, through your own will, it ain't gonna happen. Why do you think we see people fail time and time again at New Year's resolutions? Because God is not even remotely a part of the quotient, and so it's just all my willpower, all my willpower, and by the end, by mid-January, I'm done. I'm tapped out. I can't do it anymore, Right? But there is a magic. In the same way, there's a magic behind that compound interest. There is a magic that happens when we make these little, seemingly insignificant deposits to God. God deposits something in us. He deposits his spirit in us, and it does things that our work could never do on its own. We can't duplicate it. We can't replicate it. It is only God. It's only God. He does that. He puts his spirit in us, and as his spirit works in our life, the, the infection, it spreads, it manifests itself in a different way, and suddenly our life starts looking a whole lot more like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And when you see that happen, when you see those things being the identifier of your life, you know, okay, I am under new management. I am different, I'm, I'm, I am not perfect, I'm not perfect, but I know that I'm, I'm working towards being better. I know that I'm walking with Christ. By the way, did you know perfection is not the goal? Can I say something that might sound a little bit heretical even, and don't throw anything at me, <laughs> anything sharp? Did you know the goal of the Christian life isn't to not sin? If you, if you think the goal of the Christian life is to avoid sin, chances are it manifests in your life in certain ways. The goal of the Christian life isn't avoiding sin, it's being like Jesus. And yes, there is a gigantic difference. It's being like Jesus. And as you become infected, you will see yourself becoming more like Jesus. You'll see yourself becoming kinder and more loving and more gentler with people and more gracious. And yeah, you'll tell people the truth and you will do it with such love, it's crazy. That will be how your life is defined as you get infected with a good infection. As we close, I'm gonna ask the worship team if they would come back up. Um, As they do, I just wanna let you guys know, this is true for me too, you were made to be infected. (laughs) Sounds silly, sounds kind of funny, but you and I, man, we were made to be infected. Our, every part of our body was designed to be infected by the good infection. You were made to be under the management of Jesus Christ, every single one of us. Our goal in life, the goal that God has for your life, we talked about it last week, the will for God for your life, it's not a what, it's a who. It's who he wants you to become. He wants you to become a little Christ. He wants you to become like Jesus 
And let me tell you, that's the only way that you'll find fulfillment. That is the only way. The only way that you truly find lasting fulfillment, not temporary joy that comes and goes with whatever life throws your way, but something that actually stands the test of time where your health can go or your finances can go or you can lose a loved one and you still have that underlying foundation of joy that is not dependent on your circumstances. That only comes from Jesus. That is it. It comes from no other place. We're supposed to find our identity in him. And you will never be fulfilled if you try to find it anywhere else, if you try to be managed by anything else. So the goal for all of us is to become more like him, right? We talked about it week one. I'm never more myself than when I'm more like God. That's why when I exhibit love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all those things, I feel so good about myself. It's because I am operating to the way I was designed to operate. That's why it feels so incredible. Last thing I'll say, and we, we talked about this a few weeks ago, in the middle of that, in the middle of where you are now and becoming more like Christ, it can be so easy to feel discouraged because you see that gigantic gap between who you are and who Jesus is. Do not be discouraged by that disconnect, don't. That's where the enemy wants you to be. He wants you to be discouraged and to feel bad about yourself and feel like you'll never measure up, so why even bother? Don't be discouraged by the disconnect. I said it earlier, the disconnect, being, realizing that it's there, that lets you know that the Spirit is still talking to you and He is still walking with you and guiding you towards where you're supposed to be. So don't be discouraged by it. Just continue walking, continue walking with the Spirit and I promise you keep doing that day after day, you will be shocked at who you've become. You'll start handling things so much different. You won't have bad reactions the way you used to. You'll still mess up here and there, but man, it will be a fraction of where you used to be. Yeah, you may still circle the same problems, but it will be at a different height than you used to. And you can get there. We all can get there. It's just realizing who our manager is and submitting to his management. And I wanna pray for you about that today. Let's bow our heads and let's pray together. Heavenly Father, there is no one like you. You are love. You are joy, you are peace, you are patience, you are kindness, you are goodness, you are gentleness, you are faithfulness, you are self-control. You are the actual embodiment of all of those things. And God, we know apart from you, we can't even remotely come close to touching those things. Our work isn't enough, so God, help us to walk with you to walk with you, to walk with your spirit so that as we do, we can start to see your attributes become our attributes, that we can start to see your love become the love that we show to other people, that your joy is the joy that we have even in the hardest of circumstances, that your self-control, that your patience, that your kindness, that your goodness, that we would exemplify those things in such incredible ways that the world around us would stop and take notice and go, man, there is something different about you. Help us to be infected with the good infection, God, so that we can become little Christ in every situation we find ourselves in because we know that is how we change the world. That is how we make a difference for the kingdom. That is how we see ourselves live the life that you had in mind for us. We know that you're a God who's good on your word. And so as we ask you these things today, God, we know that you will see it through. Thank you for being such an amazing father. Thank you for being you. We love you so much, Father. And we pray all this in your name.
Well, that's all for this week. Thanks again for joining us. If you'd like to contact us or find out more about our ministry, head over to our website at cornerstonechurch.info. Have a great week.